flagship station for Clemson men's basketball. 105.5 and 97.5. We are the Roar, where every day is game day. Welcome back into Hour 3 of the Press Box. Before we get going, we're going to talk some NFL, some basketball, and a bunch of things here in Hour Number 3. I want to tell you about Boneyard Cycles that you can find right there in the heart of Anderson at 507 Pyramidary Road. If you're looking for a Harley, a Custom, a Metric Cruiser, or anything off-road, Boneyard Cycles is the place for you. You can buy from a local, get the best parts, quality parts, best service, and a shop selection that rivals anything you'll find in the big cities. You can find it right here in the upstate in Anderson. Paul and his crew, the best in the business. They are always there to answer your questions about part, service, buying, or trading. And let me just tell you, go online, boneyardcyclesonline.net. They are updating their inventory daily. Great bikes there, great selections. Brad, it's going to be warming up here in the future. Go buy and see them. Get you a bike for the spring and the summertime. It's the best time of year to do it. Yeah, I'll do that. Boneyardcyclesonline.net or go see them in person at 507 Pyramidary Road in Anderson. 654 Roar. You want to get in with us. We'd love to hear from you today on the phone lines, on the Adams & Co. roofing text line. We'd love to hear from you. Just give us a call. Tell us what you think about the weekend. Anything stand out? We talked talked about Clemson baseball back in hour number one. The Tigers, John, back in action tomorrow against Presbyterian. We'll have that here live on the roar tomorrow afternoon, 3.30. That is correct. 3.30 airtime with a 4 o'clock first pitch right here on the roar. What what did you think of the atmosphere yesterday at Doug Kingsmore Stadium? I thought it was incredible. Really? In what respect? I just feel like the the in stadium production that the whole team over there uses, whether it be the the video boards, the incorporating the music. I thought when Hayden Christensen for um Xavier yesterday, I think he struck out or he got out, they played the Imperial Death March from Star Wars. Since, you know, and Kristen played Anakin Skywalker in the first couple, you know, episodes one, two, and three. I thought, just the little touches in the course of a baseball game I just thought was fantastic. Well, I think that's a running theme with Clemson Athletics and not just baseball. I, I think that, you know, we always think about football as being like the prime entertainment, like you've got to put forth the best ever, and Clemson has for years. I think one of the things Graham Neff has done, he's brought the level of entertainment value to the fan, when you're there in the stadium or in the Coliseum or whatever, uh, to to a different level, like it, it's very entertaining. Very, like, oh yeah, all the stuff going on around in the halftime and at um, you know in, in between timeouts and stuff. I I think the entertainment value has has really really risen in Clemson athletics. Not not just it's it's trying to more match football, not just let football be the marquee event. You know, because there are, we talk about this all the time in sports, how they have made it so much easier for you to stay at home and watch. And you don't have to go out to the ballpark. You know, ESPN Plus now, you can watch Clemson baseball from home. But there's just something about being there, being in person, that you just can't get from watching it or listening to it on the radio. I just, it, it, I had not been able this year to attend a Clemson sporting event. Did not make it to a football game. I had some unfortunate things happen the day I was supposed to go. Right. It gave me a renewed appreciation 
for in-person athletics. Especially when you don't see it for a while, it really stands Yeah, because I'm a part of so many broadcasts here. But I'm doing them here from the Upcountry Fiber Studios. I am not on location. And it just gave me a new appreciation for for what we do and the service that we provide, just being able to see it in person again. Yeah, I, I, I think they've done a really good job. And I, I noticed that at Little John, I mean, I was at both of them this weekend, so I got a chance to see, you know, back-to-back. Um, I, I thought Little John does a really good job. You're right, Doug Kingsmore, the kind of the non-baseball stuff, I think, has really, really risen uh, in terms of the entertainment value. And I think that, I mean, I, I was telling John, I'm not saying it's the best crowd, because I have not been to, I haven't been to that many basketball games, Little John. I've been to, I don't know, 10 or so over the last probably three years, but, or more. But I think that from the, from the atmosphere standpoint and the amount of people that were there and were into the game and energized, it's the best I've seen Little John in a long time. I mean, I think going back six, seven years, I thought it was just really, really in, in tune with the game, you know, just, just a high energy atmosphere from start to finish for the whole 40 minutes of basketball. Really good. Really, really good. Now, people didn't, <laughs> the ending was not not great. I understand. But I think the energy in that building was was tangible on Saturday night. It was a great weekend. I mean, I've seen, you know, you don't like how the game ended, but I thought just in terms of in-person athletics, it was a great weekend at Clemson University. Yeah. Yeah. But you're, you're people right. in charge of putting on the productions. I, we do not give them enough credit. I agree. The production value is, has certainly risen. Um, you're right about Doug Kingsmore. There's a little bit different feel around there too. Uh, they're letting the kids do do the run the bases thing, like every all, all three games on the weekends now. That's yeah, really cool. I have a uh, friends of ours who are season ticket holders for baseball, and I believe they're three or four year old. They were trying to barter with her things that she had to do throughout the game in order to be able to get to run the bases as the reward at the end of the day. You mentioned season ticket holders. I feel like I know more people doing season tickets for baseball than in past seasons. I mean, not necessarily this year, but I think the last couple of years, it feels like season tickets has really risen. I, f- I feel like with baseball that when we've come out of COVID, that there's been a much more yes. drive to getting season tickets and being at the ballpark more. I think softball helps that too. I oh, mean, oh, without a doubt, yeah. If they're, Especially if they're playing at the same time. Right. And and yeah, the, or the same day. Yeah. If, if you can double dip and just walk across... You know, a little walkway to get from one stadium to the it other. It is amazing how quick of a walk it is from McWhorter into Doug Kingsmore. Yeah, I think that's really helped. I, I think softball has helped baseball, I, and, and vice versa. I think there's been a good effect for both of those programs. But game day atmospheres are a lot of fun. It's it's a great place. You know, it, it's cool for me because now that I have kids, I remember being a kid and going to events my dad like i've said this many times my dad would take me to a baseball game anywhere and everywhere like he just loved the sport so much we went to all kinds of places and doug kingsmore was one of them so to go go take my kids and let them see the atmosphere and go through it and be a part of it that's really cool yeah it's it's something that that means a lot to me and i i I appreciate the what what i'm getting as i go there it's a good place to take my kids absolutely it still is even in this day you still feel like it's a good place have John, there's a lot of places nowadays I would not take my kids that I went to as a kid. Doesn't feel safe or isn't it isn't kid friendly anymore or whatever it may be. That's not the case. It still feels like it's a good atmosphere to take your kids. Oh gosh, the amount of kids I saw playing on the 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 little field there off the third baseline yesterday. The amount of tackle football that was going on out there. <laughs> 
It's a lot of fun. It's good oh yeah, it was, and you know, to your point, it was really cool to see so many fathers and sons out at the ballpark uh, yesterday as well. And it was cool to go with my dad. I had a good time. Go with my parents. We had a good time. Oh, it's it's, it's still fun to go to the park with your dad, even as an adult, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was just a great time, and there's just something about you know, baseball and in person, and it's just a great time. Yeah, I I really enjoyed watching my oldest. Just he's really into baseball now. Like he gets it. Like I don't have to explain. He asked me some questions, but I don't have to explain much. He knows everything that's going on. He knows all the players. Like he knows. He he's looking at the stats on the screen. He's remembering what they did in their last at bat. Like he's like far far ahead of where I was at his age in terms of understanding sports. Uh, but I, I I think he's he's hooked now on on the sport of baseball in general. <laughs> he was like, he just told me, he's like, can we not watch college baseball? You know, like, can we watch some college? I don't care who's playing. I just want some college baseball. Because it's just baseball in general. Right. And I know he, he has to wait a little bit to see his Ronald Acuna and Matt Olson and all those. Oh, he can't wait. Those professionals in Atlanta. The professionals in Atlanta. A lot of, a lot of professionals over there. A lot of good professional baseball players in Atlanta. Are you going to make a trip down to... To Truist this year? <laughs> I haven't thought about it yet. Okay. I haven't looked at the schedule to see if it's even remotely conducive if the Pirates come to town. But <laughs> yeah, you know, Last year it was, it was during my sister's wedding, so I wasn't able to make it down to the ballpark then. But We should have a press box roar gathering in Atlanta for Pirates and Braves. Maybe we can make something like that happen. Let's see what we can do. See what the travel committee... Oh, never mind. I'm going to run the travel committee. Let's go to Jerry and Anderson. He's up next. Hey, Jerry, how are you? I'm good, Brad. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, what does Clemson have to do these last six games, Brad, to ensure a, uh, a bid? Well, I, th- I mean, I think three and three is – I don't know if it will ensure a bid, but I, I think it will do pretty good, you know, make, make a pretty good impression just to go three and three uh, down the stretch. I, I know it sounds weird to be 10 and 10 in this league, and make the NCAA tournament, but the non-con is that strong. And I, I think even three and three, John's not going to drop Clemson out of the top forty in in net rankings. No, when we brought up what did they have to do on the stretch, I thought even three and three was in play, and you'd still be okay. Now it would impact your seating, yes. You, you may get close to that eight nine line, but you don't want to be on that. No, you line don't. Line. But in turn, but you know, Jerry's asking, do you still get in? Yeah, yeah, you're in. I don't know what would have to have for Clemson not to get in. I don't even know if you want me to put that into words. But, you know, I, one and five? Two and four? Two and four would be, would be pretty, you know, that'd be what, nine and 11 in, in league play? Yeah, that would that would be bad. That would be pretty bad. I, I don't know if I would guarantee that it would keep them out, but it would certainly certainly hinder their their opportunities and chances um but i don't i don't know that that's that that that's falling apart of course you know the committees used to really really weigh how you played late in the season i don't think they do that as much as they used to you know they try to do this full body of work i mean it used to be that and the reason they went to more of a full body of work and then they came up with an rpi in the net was because it got too too reliant too heavy on just what you did in your last seven or eight games and what you did in your conference tournament, including that. So I, I think that they've tried to get out of some of that thinking, and and because you know, you don't want your whole seat, your whole resume to be down to seven or eight games. That's not a big enough sample size. And it was encouraging teams to play horrible non-conference schedules 
and just focus on the final stretch of the season. So taking in the whole body of work, you don't want to be on a losing skid in the final two weeks of the year, two or three weeks. But I think think three and three reasonably gets Clemson in. Anything below that, and I don't know they're quite necessarily like falling directly on the bubble, but there may be more bubble conversations. But the the net's going to stay high. That's my thing. I as long as they don't lose to, does it depend on who they lose to? Yeah, it always depends on who you lose to. Like Notre Dame would sink your net. Losing to Georgia Tech twice would hurt your net greatly. But I don't know that they're they're not going to get a ton of bumps from the net. Wake Forest will give them a bump if they win that game, the end of the regular season. But I, I don't think you want to go into the final game of the ACC campaign having to beat Wake Forest at home, who's also fighting for NCAA tournament spots. Um, quick side note: Pirates are at the Braves last weekend of June, June twenty eighth, twenty ninth, and thirtieth, and I will already be in Atlanta for a wedding on the 29th, Just saying. Sounds like you're going to be there. I'm just just trying to connect some dots here, Brad. Are we going to do a John Hyde meet and greet with Braves fans? Maybe you can be there. A little Friday night, 7.20 action down in Atlanta. Yeah, we'll see. I'll, I'll uh, check the schedule. See, see what the travel committee can do. We'll sounds, look at the budget. Sounds like the travel committee is already going to be there. All right, let's go to uh, Scott and Greenville. He's up next. Hey, Scott. Hey, Brad. How you doing, bud? Doing well. Hey, listen, I know that game, it didn't hurt us in the seedings and it didn't hurt us in the net probably and and you know we didn't expect to win every single game going down the stretch here uh, we knew we were going to drop a couple but I think the frustration lies in that double digit lead that we had and losing it in the last 10 minutes that's the frustrating part and I wish this team could figure it out because we've done that a few times this year and I know Georgia Tech was one of those right off the top of my head um, and if you take both of those games this is what's the frustrating part. If you don't blow that Georgia Tech game, you don't blow the NC State double-digit lead, you're sitting as in the seedings higher than what you would be. You would be a top-four seed in the ACC. You would probably be a top-four seed in the NCAA tournament as far as whatever bracket you go to. Um, so that's the frustrating part. How do we fix that? I mean, what? And I know if you had the answer, you could sell it to Brownell. But we've got to learn how to fix that. That's the frustrating part as a Clemson fan. I'm not down on Brownell. I'm not wanting to fire the goat guy. I'm not wanting to, you know, jump off the ship. But at some point in time, these double-digit blown leads have got to stop. Yeah, I agree. Somehow. I'm full agreement. You know? I, I, yeah. uh, it's it's hard what, it's to, uh, to find any real answers today because it's it, all three situations feel different, but then they all three had the, the same outcome. Yeah. Right. And it's the the I've heard people blaming the rest. They say, "Yeah, we didn't catch a couple calls down the road." That you know, at crunch time, but it should never come down to that. And I, I, I said that earlier. Yeah. And yeah, it's just ridiculous, and uh, that, that we we lean on that sometimes. And the clock, the the, the I think it's the clock operator created a jump ball because they didn't stop it on time. Or, you know, whatever. Um, we got to overcome those kind of things. We got to keep these double digit leads that we have and not let it get into anybody else's hands and determine what we want. And I just don't know how we get there. And that's been the frustrating part of the 14 years. I asked Mickey this morning, and I may try to get with Qualk and see, but I'd love to know the number of double-digit blown leads we've had since Brownell's been coached. And I'm not saying it's his fault, 
It just seems like it happens a lot. Two or three, four times a season, and that's a lot. Um, and especially this season when you know you got a good squad and could go far to lose, have them double digit. It's scary for tournament time because you can't, you get into some better teams than NC State and you get a double digit lead, man. <laughs> you got to learn how to hold on to it. So, anyway, it's my two cents. I hear you, Scott. Thanks for getting in. I, I appreciate the call. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that number would be. And I don't know that it'd be all that different than a lot of other programs in the country. I mean, 10 point leads. Man, they're just not what they used to be in college basketball. With the way that teams shoot three pointers now, and the amount of turnovers that that teams force, like it's, I'm not, I'm not. This is not an excuse. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, if you did the, the historical look that Scott's talking about, I, I think it would probably be in line with a lot of other programs. Is what I'm saying. But there's no excuses for for what happened on on Saturday night. Uh, Clemson officiating again wasn't great. But that that did not dictate the outcome of the game, in my opinion. And the last second shot should not have dictated the outcome, in my opinion. Clemson should not have gotten in that position to begin with. Six five four or more to come after this. Anderson County is a great place to live and work, play, and worship. Samantha Porter, the Anderson County Environmental Educator, encourages residents to reduce, reuse, and recycle. You can recycle plastic bottles and jugs, mixed paper and cardboard, clear, brown, and green glass, aluminum, and steel cans, use motor oil and cooking oil, tires, and electronics. If you have any questions, please call Anderson County Solid Waste at 260-1001 in regard to recycling and proper waste disposal. Bosch is hosting a direct hire event for maintenance technicians at 1100 Scottsbridge Road in Anderson on Tuesday, February 27th from 9 to 2. Recently increased pay rates and multiple shifts. Learn more and RSVP at hdijobs.com backslash Bosch. Hey, foodies. We want to talk to you about the Upstate's favorite taco spot, Willie Taco. With five locations across the Upstate, our award-winning team has been serving up fresh taco fusion for a solid decade now. And our chefs at Willie Taco utilize the freshest, most creative, and unexpected ingredients in our kitchen. Come see why Southern Living and Food and Wine Magazine rave about our signature offerings, such as the Southern Tide, Crispy Avocado, and Nashville Hot Chicken Tacos, with flavors you won't find anywhere else. Willie Taco is ready to serve you our twist on funky, fresh fusion. It's the Willie Way. It's Race for the Green Time. Go ahead and make your plans to sign up today. Run signup.com. It's coming your way March 16th, 2024. Make a commitment to do your first 5K or half marathon and take advantage of those early bird pricing. Run signup.com. Great swag, the beautiful medal that everybody talks about. This is our 14th annual half marathon and 5K. Sign up today. Don't forget March 16th, 2024. Run signup.com and come on and have a great time. Harbin Lumber Company has been helping build dreams since 1917, proudly serving our local communities for over 100 years for all your building material needs. With spring around the corner, now is the time to think about a new deck or deck remodel or screened porch. Have it completed so you can enjoy the great outdoors. Visit HarbinLumber.com or call us at 706-356-4300 and let us show how we can help with your vision. That's 706-356-4300. 
spring cleaning is always first thing on the to-do list this time of year, so don't forget yourself. Roosters is here to remind you how important it is to keep your hair and face fresh and clean this season. Roosters has a full menu of what you need for male grooming this spring to check that off of your list. Don't forget to set your next appointment with the professionals at Roosters on Pelham Road in Greenville by calling 884-8920. Gift cards are always available at Roosters. Give the gift that keeps on giving. Thanks for calling Discover. This is Gabby. Hey, Gabby. It's Jennifer Coolidge. Hi. I'm, I'm so glad I reached you at 2 a.m. Oh, of course. Anyone with a Discover card can call and talk to a real person 24-7. Now, how can I help? Yeah, I used my Discover card to buy these yellow pleather pajamas, and I'm just not sure I'm pulling them off. 24-7 U.S.-based customer service. It pays to Discover. Limitations apply. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Powered by UpCountry Fiber, we are 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. Providing fiber internet, HDTV, and phone service, UpCountry Fiber is a stronger connection. The Press Box with Brad and John. It makes it more competitive. The perfect way to get through your morning. Every time he opens his mouth, something irritating comes out. Weekdays from 9 to noon on The Roar. Where every day is game day. Box with Brad and John is joining us today. Some quick information to pass along to you. South Carolina set its spring game date. Uh, released that information. It's going to be April 20th at 7 p.m. at williams Bryce Stadium. Uh, John, we still don't have an official on Clemson's spring game yet? Uh, yes. We do not. Okay. Um, but, yeah, South Carolina on. That, that seems late, doesn't it? They've always been theirs has always been later though, like since Shane Beamer's been there. I feel like he's been trying to do late April. Yeah, that's true. They they like it to be more standalone, warm, and yeah, that, yeah. And also, I, I don't have their baseball schedule in front of me, but I also think it would behoove them to do it with a home baseball series. Mm, that's true. Um, we'll see when Clemson's is. It'll we know it'll be in April. Yes, <laughs> so we can tell you right now. Uh, we'll we'll see as that as that comes in. Six five four roar. You want to get in with us? Uh, another note for college football: the offensive coordinator Brian Ellis from Georgia Southern is going to be the tight ends coach at Alabama. That's correct. Is that a better job? Tight ends coach at Bama, well, OC at Group of Five. What is what is he trying to become? We're playing this game all the time now. What's what's a better job? Which assistant job is, is well? It's in theory, it's better to be the offensive coordinator at Georgia Southern than the tight ends coach at Alabama. But Brad, we're seeing this weird hiring trend now in college athletics, specifically in college football, where if you're not associated with a big school, you don't get big school opportunities. Mm. Okay. Like for Mo Linguist, leaving from being the head coach at Buffalo to go be a position coach at Alabama, he has a better shot of getting a power five head coaching job or a power four, whatever we call it now coming off of a Bama staff than he does as the head coach in the MAC. Yeah. It's broken, it's wrong, but that's where the sport is. Speaking of what's broken and wrong with the sport, uh, this story coming out this morning, 
that Matt Commissioner John Steinbrecher has sent a memo to his conference's athletic directors disputing the report that the college football playoff has agreed to a television deal with ESPN. That this is not something that is official or that is even close to being done. According to the Matt Commissioner, uh, the uh, talks are still ongoing as to what the college football playoffs next TV contract will look like in starting in 2026. Uh, there was a report last week from ESPN, <laughs> shocker, that ESPN, uh, <laughs> or I guess it I guess it came out. I don't know who reported it first. Do you know? Was it ESPN? Probably. But ESPN. Heather Denich had the scoop first. I uh, was going to go into a six-year contract extension where the total is $7.8 billion, with a B. Still mad about that. But it, that's being disputed here by this conference commissioner so i don't i don't know what that means but maybe it's not as clear-cut and already determined as we what tv deals are not just as clear-cut and easy as we thought i mean shocker you know especially with the nbc surprise deal that kevin warren signed yeah i guess i guess we'll um continue to wait on whether or not the they'll come to some sort of agreement with espn I hope they don't. Why do you say that? I, we've talked about this. I think it would behoove the college football playoff as we're expanding it to be like in the NFL, especially if we're trying to NFL this thing, to have you know an opening round game on Fox, an opening round game on ESPN, an opening round game on CBS. I just think it would do the sport a better service to have different outlets breaking down the postseason. Yeah. Just a personal opinion. Okay. I... Uh... I agree with you. Now, there's talk that ESPN could farm some of these games out should they choose, but I don't know what that exactly would mean. I'm also ready for this to be done. Personally. Yeah, but just, I mean, you and I are both of the opinion that it doesn't help the sport to give it all to ESPN. No, it doesn't. It doesn't help the narratives of the sport, and you and I have talked about how important narratives are in college football. Yeah. All right, John, moving along. Uh, you know, we're talking about basketball there. Before we wrap up that conversation, you know, Scott was calling in asking, and, you know, it's more of a rhetorical question. We don't we don't have the answers, but how does Clemson avoid what happened against NC State, what happened against Georgia Tech? Um, you know, Virginia was a little bit different because they, they didn't, they weren't leading Virginia by 10 points or anything in that game. I don't, they were never up by that many. I don't, right. Think. I don't remember that being the case. Virginia was playing great defense that yeah. day. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, of course, gave, I mean, they, they did give up a lead against Syracuse, but they, they immediately responded and answered in that one. I, I think I, here, here's the difference. Here's one thing you can do as a team to get better at this don't turn the ball over late in the games. You know, you go back to that Syracuse game. What was it, like 21 turnovers or something? It was absurd they were back in the game, but then after the under-four timeout, they didn't turn over again, and it wasn't close. Right. 21 turnovers on a single one happened in the last four minutes of the game, and Clemson won after blowing a lead. So don't turn – and they turned it over against NC State the other night. P.J. Hall had that turnover. There was a steal there. Um, one of the last, I think it was their next-to-last possession that set up the go-ahead bucket by D.J. Horn from NC State. So, again, you cut down on that. Get away from that. That's something I think you can get better at as a team. It's just being under control more in those situations and not turning it over uh, will certainly help. So that's 
But I mean, they know that. That's not something you have to go tell them. <laughs> well, I mean, it's you can you can preach that till you're blue in the face, but it just it, until you put it into practice and application. I mean, Brad, I'll go back to the football team. You don't think Cade Klubick knew that turning the ball over was bad for the offense? I would say he probably did. He's yeah. probably aware of it, right? Yeah. But it still happened. Yeah. You can know as long as the day is that turning the ball over is bad, you're still going to have turnovers in sports. Fair enough. Uh, John, over to the NFL for a few minutes here. The league is getting ramped up for franchise tag season. and They've got a few weeks to do that, but the window opens tomorrow. And there's a lot of teams with a lot of decisions they have to make. Uh, can I just give you some numbers on the projected franchise tags on on positions? Please, yes. I, that's one of the things I always find fascinating when we get to this time of year every year. Quarterbacks, $36.3 million for quarterbacks if you get tagged in 2024. Linebackers, 22. roughly $22.8 million. Defensive tackles, $21 million. Receivers, 20.2... I'm sorry. Yeah, $20.7 million for receivers. That's a lot of money. Keep that number in mind. As we go through this exercise. Yes. Uh, defensive ends, 20.2. Cornerbacks, 18.8. Tight ends, 12. Uh, running backs, 11.3. Wait, can you say the difference between wide receiver and tight end again? How about the difference between running back and wide receiver? Receivers, 20.7. Tight ends, 12. And you wonder why so many tight ends in the franchise tag window want to be tagged as wide receivers. And you wonder why NFL teams refuse to acknowledge them as receivers. Because they don't want to pay them as receivers. Because there's an $8 million difference. Running backs, 11.3 million. Almost half of what wide receivers make. Did you ever think growing up that wide receivers would have double the value of a running back? Not a chance. You could see it having some more value, but almost double? No. No. Especially not in the football that we grew up watching where the running backs were the franchise players. And in case you care, kickers, about 5.7. Kickers and punters, 5.7 million. I'm not franchise tagging a kicker or a punter. (laughs) What? Uh do you have any interest in any, any particular players or teams that could get So there's one player I want to start with here. Okay. And it's because he's ineligible for a tag. And I've noticed this in trying to prep for this. There's a lot of players that are ineligible for franchise tags, and I don't remember seeing it this much. But you, you gave the quarterback number. And so my mind went to Kirk Cousins, whose contract ends. Mm-hmm. who has been known to be franchise tagged more than once over the course of his career. A few times, yes. But Kirk Cousins, um, his contract does not void until March 13th, which is intentionally after the deadline. So he could be tagged. He cannot be tagged. Yeah, he can be tagged. Yeah, he's... they. He's, the way ESPN.com, I'm reading this here, the Vikings' two most obvious candidates are both ineligible for a tag. Quarterback Kirk Cousins doesn't void until March 13th, which is intentionally after the deadline. Meanwhile, the Vikings agreed to a no-tag clause to get outside linebacker Daniil Hunter back to training camp last summer. So that was something they worked out into his contract. So I guess they would have to work out a deal with Cousins to, to be tagged. So they would have to work out a traditional contract before March 14th in order to prevent Kirk Cousins or Daniil Hunter from going into free agency. But then they could tag him. Like, they could remove the no-tag clause. 
I'm not sure if that it doesn't say that here in specific. Well, I'm he, just trying he, to read the. He's on the list that I'm piece. looking at of, of guys who can be tagged. Okay, so I guess they would have to work out a deal to tag Cousins. So what what's your question on Cousins? Do you think the Vikings tag him, or do are, no. are they able to do it, or do they just let him walk and go to the open market? I would let him walk and go to the open market. Do you want to spend? I mean, the thing is, he made thirty-five million last year, so it's only a million, a little bit over a million more. Are you going to get him on a? You're not signing him to a multi-year deal. So what? What's the point? You would have to tag him. You have to get him to remove the non-clause or the, the non-tag clause and pay him thirty-six million next year. Well, I guess, and you know, talking about you know wide receivers, you got to ask Justin Jefferson what he wants, right? Yeah, you kind of do. Do you because he's up for a big time extension in a year from now, or within the next year? Do you ask your probably the most important player of your franchise right now, arguably, in Justin Jefferson? Yes. You let him have a say in it, and I think that could definitely impact things. Here's the thing, though: if, if you're Kirk Cousins, would you not just want to stay in Minnesota? You don't want to go in the open market. You can be guaranteed $36 million. You made 35 last year, so you're getting a pay bump. You may not get anything close to that on the open market. So if you're Kirk Cousins, you want to remove the tag clause, and you want Minnesota to keep you for a year. Again, John, they're not going to sign him to a deal. They're not going to sign him to a two-year deal. They would keep him for one more year, kick the can for one more season. And that's if they think he's healthy enough to come back and help him. Because he tore his, was his ACL he tore? Achilles. Achilles he tore. Ooh. I don't think he's Aaron Rodgers here, coming back and <laughs> trying to pretend he's coming back in a in ridiculous amount of short time. But I don't foresee that being something that you have just overlook. You have to look at his health situation if you're Minnesota. So right now, if you're Minnesota, you are not bringing him back and you are trying to get into the draft sweepstakes, if you will? I think I am. Do you, is, is it is it worth bringing him back for one year? I think it could be if you feel good about the health. And the rest of your roster. Yes. Like, if you can kind of go... And I, I think he is certainly not the quarterback that he was. And in, in your late 30s, coming off an Achilles, there's a lot of unknowns there. Good Lord, there's such a ceiling with Kirk Cousins. Like, what are you getting by bringing him back? Just not having to kick the, just being able to kick the can, not having Maybe, to yeah. deal with it. Yeah. But if, but he's going to be good enough where you're not going to get a good draft spot next year to get a quarterback unless you give up assets to move up. Well, then do you want to go in a tank mode to go get a quarterback and then tick off your franchise player, Justin Jefferson, and all those guys? Like they're in a very interesting dilemma right now. They in my also opinion. are twenty four million dollars under the cap. I think I'd use that money to create better positions on my team and figure out quarterback. Would you, I don't have the draft order at the top of my head. I know we're about to go to a break here. If you're Minnesota, are you one of those groups of teams that's trying to move up in this draft? Mm, no, I don't to get a quarterback. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not. There, there's not a quarter. They're going to get within range. Like how high are we talking? They're not, First of all, the first three teams are taking quarterbacks. Unless they trade out to somebody else. But yeah, no, I agree. I think they are. So what are you going to move up to get? That's kind of my question. No, nah, I think I think you have to... Because, I mean, do you want to trade up to what hope to get Bo Nix? 
or do you want to take junior they're picking 11th in the draft i think you just sit tight and hope a quarterback falls to you i think you could get Penix at 11 but you're gonna have to make a decision on cousins before well do you just pay cousins the 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 36 if you can get him to stay and draft a quarterback at 11 and then just sort of roll the dice that way it's a lot tied up into one spot 36 million and a first round pick to one position room could be tough yeah it very well could be tough. I, the Vikings have one especially on the offensive side of the I think they're one of the more fascinating off seasons ahead hmm I tell you what we'll go over some more names in the final segment of guys who are going to potentially get tagged including some former Clemson Tigers after this in the final segment don't go anywhere for over 36 years, Little John Portable Toilets has proudly served the upstate. From construction to special events, Little John Portable Toilets has you covered with worry-free toilet service, delivered, cleaned, and sanitized, serving the upstate and further when possible. Portable toilets, handicap, hand wash stations, holding tanks, executive restroom trailers. And if you have a question, we have a live person to talk with. Little John, family owned and operated. 800-499-5667 and at littlejohntoilets.com. Don't miss out on this week's specials at Buff City Soap with products for everyone, corporate gifts, pet products, laundry soap, seasonal scents, and more. Follow Buff City Soap Clemson and Buff City Soap Greenville on Facebook and Instagram for the latest sales and updates. East Main Furniture in Easley, where every day is a sale day. Come find deals on living room, bedroom, dining room, lamps, rugs, mattresses, and occasional furniture. Brands like Lazy Boy, England, Best, Ashley, Catnapper, Liberty Furniture, and Von Bassett. All at discounted prices. If they don't stock it, they can special order it for you. Now offering up to 12 months. Same as cash on purchases over $300. East Main Furniture located at 829 East Main Street, Easley. Or call 864-442-6054 today. The Dream Center is more than a building. They serve those in need with a hand up instead of a hand out by empowering them to grow toward becoming healthy and self-sufficient through life skill classes, job training, mentorship, and a housing program called the Opportunity Village. Want to get involved? It's easy. Sign up to attend a volunteer orientation or on how you can serve with your school group, corporation, or individually. The Dream Center, where they encourage, educate, and empower. Learn more today at dreamcenterpc.org. Make 2024 the year you prioritize your health by scheduling preventative health screenings like a colorectal cancer screening. Detecting potential issues early can be the key to a longer, healthier life. Your future self will thank you. With five convenient office locations in Clemson, Greenville, Simpsonville, and Spartanburg, it's easier than ever to take charge of your health with Gastroenterology Associates. Visit gastroassociates.com to schedule your screening colonoscopy. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Get ready, Tiger fans. This week, the Clemson Tigers face off against the Presbyterian Blue Hose in what is sure to be an epic showdown. You won't want to miss a single moment of the action as this game is sure to keep you on the edge of your seat. The Tigers are hungry for a win, so make sure to tune in on Tuesday at 3.30 for the pregame show. Catch it all right here.
So what exactly are the net rankings? I have no idea! Tune in every day until March as we try to figure it out. The Roar, where every day is game day. It is the final segment here on a Monday. We appreciate you joining us throughout the show today. Still got a lot to get to throughout the week. We'll hit on uh, some more college baseball tomorrow. Get you ready for Clemson and Presbyterian College. Uh, we'll do some, start getting some football. John, is it, does it feel like a good time to start talking spring football? It's right around the corner. We're almost there. You've piqued my interest. Okay, let's do some of that this week. We'll talk some Clemson football, maybe some South Carolina. Uh, you know who's going to be speaking with the media tomorrow? Tomorrow's the 20th, yeah. I'm not aware. Sean Elliott. New South Carolina tight ends coach who left Georgia State last week to be an assistant on Shane Beamer's squad uh, will meet with the media along with Beamer tomorrow. So uh, someone will come out. Of, you know, I mean, he's going to explain – his decision making. I, I I think this look, I'm I'm very critical at times of how PR is handled on uh different universities. Can't be critical whatsoever. South Carolina's putting him up there front and center to be asked the hard questions and I, I applaud them for doing that. So I'm if I'm gonna criticize, I'm going to praise fairly. And so I think it's good of South Carolina to get him available to the media because I think I think he owes it to I don't know what he told his team, but I think, you know, just in this the way this business works, I think people want to hear from Sean Elliott on why he left. And I, and I think it's perfectly fine for the media to be able to ask those questions. Yeah, I'm very fascinated to hear what he has to say and some of the justifications and reasoning or if he get get really gives any or if he just talks more about what his plan is for the future of South Carolina football as the run game coordinator and tight ends coach. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I wonder if he will be posed a lot of questions about Georgia State. I mean, he'll have to be. You're not just going to be able to sit up there and not get one single question about, so why did you leave Georgia State? Like, why did you leave as a head coach well, I, I guess the my, day spring practice started? I guess my point is, I don't think we're going to get the answer we want. I think it's going to be, oh, it's just about the incredible opportunity here at South Carolina, one I couldn't turn down to be able to come home and all those you know types of things. I just worry, will we, are we going to get some real reasoning behind it? Okay. I tend to agree with you that we're not going to get a great answer. We're not going to like the answer. Regardless, we're not going to like the answer, correct? Sure, yeah. I Probably not. But it's... I, I, you know, I do give him credit and South Carolina credit for putting him up there to answer the questions. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, we've, we've made it clear very many times we don't like it when guys don't have to, you know, adhere to their actions or explain their actions. Well, because most of these moves we've been hand-wringing about over the last month or so have not had press conferences to explain away what they've done. Right. How many times will NIL get mentioned? <laughs> over under two and a half. Well, I guess it's what his like reasoning is going to be, right? Because I mean, here's the thing. You're still going to have to deal with it as even as a position coach. Well, I, th- I think for the most part, it's going to be more about his family. That's going to be his his soul yeah and i buy all those spin. reasons his family has lived in columbia the whole time he's commuted back and forth that's not easy 
Is he going to ask any questions about how bad his team was going to be at Georgia State? No. No. But I think that has a lot to do with it. It makes the timing convenient. Yeah. It does. It does. We'll find out tomorrow. We'll have I think that'll be Wednesday's show, essentially. Well, not the whole show. <laughs> Let me be clear. I can't do two full shows <laughs> in a two-week span on Sean Elliott. I don't think it does. We're not going to make that big a deal out of it that it's two full shows. Let me be honest. I mean, unless he just puts out some quotes. Uh, yeah, that's true. Don't, don't, don't. Don't uh, let's not guarantee that. That can't be a lot because we don't know exactly what's going to get said. But we shall discuss it because we spent a lot of time discussing it on Friday, or th- Thursday. I think it was Thursday. <laughs> Whatever morning. day it was, they all start to blend together. I here. believe it was Thursday morning when that came out. Uh, well, then we're going to we'll have to discuss it on Wednesday after he meets with the media tomorrow. In the NFL, the franchise tag window begins tomorrow, and a texture got in and asked, uh, "Can a player like T Higgins?" just refuse the franchise tag and the answer is no that's really the whole point of a franchise tag is that you don't have an option they contractually you know have your services for an entire year and you have no say but that's why you are paid the average of the top five players at your position correct you can't hit the open market but you're going to get paid like a high market player so brad there are two former clemson tigers that i want to discuss here in our final segment in terms of the franchise tag we just mentioned t higgins let's tackle that one all right what is your what is your question on higgins are they going to do it are they going to tag about 20.7 million it's a lot of money but yes they will and the reasoning is simple they've got to give joe burrow all the weapons they can correct like you've got to have really really good weapons around him sure yeah this is, I think, an important year because he's coming off of an injury. You've got a lot of other guys on the books under club-friendly deals, if you will, like Jamar Chase. You haven't had to start paying him a ton yet. So you, you need to maximize your window here. With Now, you already paid Burrow, so that's, that's out the window. But I, I'm, I'm assuming that salary structure hasn't jumped really high yet. I would assume the same. So you've got to figure out how to put the best team on the field. And T. Higgins, you're not going to get a replacement for T. Higgins that will play at T. Higgins' level, in my opinion. No. On the not. open market. Or in the draft. So if you want to give Burrow all the weapons you can and kick the can for another year, which I think you can get away with, you tag T. Higgins in this situation, you pay him the nearly $21 million, you bite it because you're not having to pay Jamar Chase the massive money quite yet, you're working out a contract with him as we speak, that's long-term, but they got some other players on their roster too they're having to deal with, but I... I think you're crazy if you're the Bengals and you don't tag T. Higgins because you're not getting the equivalent of T. Higgins on the open market. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, I think it makes all the sense in the world for the Bengals to do it. Now, the other former Clemson player who is up for the franchise tag, I think it's going to be a little bit of a more difficult decision. Christian Wilkins with the Miami Dolphins. Now, it's not because Wilkins has not been good. He had his best year of his career last year with nine and a half sacks. But last offseason, they were not able to come to agreement on a long-term contract extension. Right. Right now, this is from Marcel Louis-Jacques. We've Marcel, talked, my yeah, buddy. Yeah. yeah, your buddy Marcel. We've talked about him a lot over the years. He used to cover Clemson. Yeah. He's now on the B for the Dolphins. He writes an excerpt on ESPN.com. Dolphins' first-round pick from 2019 had a career year in 2023 with nine and a half sacks, despite not being able to come to an agreement on the contract last year. Miami is strapped for cash currently. They are $51 million over the cap. Yep. But it makes so much sense to one of the best drafted and developed players the Miami Dolphins have had in the last five years 
And for a guy who I believe Christian wants to stay in Miami, it makes a lot of sense. I think with this one, if Christian Wilkins gets the franchise tag, it's the means to extend the con- negotiation window. Agreed. Agreed. I, I, th- I think that's what you do here for Miami. You tag Wilkins with the idea of getting a long-term deal worked out at some point bef- before the tag runs out. I th- like you I, don't think he plays under the tag? I mean, you hope that, ideally. You can't be guaranteed. Remember, Lamar Jackson did that for a while as they were working out the deal. They kept tagging him. But you, you, ideally, you want to get the, a deal done. But this would just give you insurance that he doesn't walk and hit the free agent market where you're not going to be able to get him back in Miami. So just go ahead and tag him with the idea of making him a long-term player. I, that would make the most sense to me. Again, you're not getting replacement value here on Christian Wilkins. He means a lot to your franchise. Is he costly? Well, you know what? Good players get paid. That's just the business. But I do wonder, though, with the moves that Miami has made as of late, bringing in a Jalen Ramsey, a um, I'm drawing a, um, Chubb from Denver, the pass rusher. Like They've taken on a lot of big-ticket items and trades in the last couple of years. $51 million over the cap. He had an enormously good season, John. Oh, he did. I just wonder where does Miami have to start I trimming the yeah. trimming the fat here. The financial I, fat, yeah. I don't know, but to, but it's not through Wilkins. I think it'd be crazy if it was Wilkins. I mean, because think of some of these other guys that you're paying that are past their prime. And you know what? He made he made about he made almost eleven million last year, and he's gonna make twenty one million this year if he gets tagged, which I, I still think he will. I mean, he's still that's still an incredible value for what you're getting. He had nine sacks, 23 quarterback hits, 58 pressures, and a pressure rate of 11% last year. 11% for a defensive lineman, a tackle, is enormous. You just can't fix, like, you just can't replace that kind of value in your franchise. And Miami's, what's the one thing I've said about Miami that they lack? They lack a lot of toughness. Wilkins is not the guy who lacks toughness. He brings what toughness you, what little toughness you have on your team. He brings it. You you just can't let him walk. You cannot let him go. So tag him and work on a deal. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, that you can get a deal done. Then maybe he walks next year. If he puts up another huge season, he's had back to back really good seasons. Maybe you end up just losing out on him because you just can't afford it. But I I think you've got to keep him in twenty twenty four. I want to move on to a player who did not play at Clemson. He played at Penn State. <laughs> I know you're going. I know where you're going with this one. Last year he played on the franchise tag at 10.1 million, and did not play well. Now at the running back position, it's going to be around 12.1 million for Saquon Barkley. To be clear, it's not his necessarily just his fault that he didn't play well. It's just that the team was so bad. Oh no, he plays York. for the Giants. He can't now. I mean, he can't help it. He was drafted by him and then franchise tagged. He can't get out. Well, remember they lost like was it four, four three or four star offensive line the first two weeks of the season or something like and that. And those it guys weren't ridiculous. any good. Even the starters weren't <laughs> any good. So then you replace them with even worse players, and it's going to be very difficult for a running back when your starting quarterback most of the season is Tommy DeVito. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying he did not have a good season. They tagged him, and it was it was a disappointment for everybody. Do you tag him again? Probably. What's your option? Just letting him walk and having to go get a running back? Who's He's been the face of your franchise and the only guy that people pay money to go see on that roster? Tell me one other guy on that roster anybody with any sense has paid money to go see. 
I can give you Dexter Lawrence, but in terms of the offensive side of the ball, there's nobody there. You're not paying money to go watch defensive players. You're paying the money to go watch I am, but players. I'm not the target audience. <laughs> I, will I, mean, go, I will pay money to go watch elite lines of scrimmage play, but I know I am not the target audience. And Dexter's being well compensated, by yeah. the way. He's, he's got his deal. Isn't that funny that Dexter has a deal before Christian Wilkins does? That's a little odd. It is a little odd. Uh, but one of the reasons the Giants are kind of in the in the spot they are is they went ahead and, and paid some of the guys probably a little quicker just to make sure they knew where they were in terms of – because they had to clean up their, their um, cap badly. I, I, think, I think it's a pretty decent option to bring him back. You don't agree? I just – I feel like the, the Giants with all the holes in their roster could use that $12 million in a lot of other ways. Yeah. All right. Because, uh, I mean, running backs don't mean anything if you don't have anybody to block for them. <laughs> Fair. The Pittsburgh Steelers, you know who you're tagging? Nobody. Nobody, baby. You get to keep that money because you got nobody worth tagging. Hey, who are you tagging over there in Washington? That's not – whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody probably. There's nobody worth tagging either. But you, you really don't you, – you really don't have anybody to tag. No, no, you your, don't. Your free agents are, are free agents because you don't want them anymore. Let's be honest. Same in Washington. The the looming free agents here on this ESPN.com uh, piece, uh, Brooke Pryor, the Steelers beat writer, gets in. These are the notable free agents for the Steelers. Mason Rudolph. Nope. Marcus Golden. Nope. Safety special teamer Miles Killebrew. <laughs> you're not you're not. And inside linebacker Quan Alexander. I think three of those four, not Rudolph. I think those three are probably back with the Steelers, but... Quan Alexander is years past being given a franchise tag based on what he you know provides. He's like forty years old. Yeah, they just don't. Have anybody coming off the books right now? Yeah. So no, you're you're not tagging anybody. I tell uh, you, there's one that I, I want to get your take on here. By the way, Washington is not because we're in rebuild mode, John. Yeah, rebuilding from ownership all the way down. Josh Allen, outside linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ooh. His best season of his career, he had seventeen and a half sacks. He was six in pressures and tied for 10th in sacks in the NFL over the last three seasons. Tag him. Tag him. This is a no-brainer. I mean, I, what, the window begins tomorrow? It was beginning at 12 a.m. tonight or 12.01 or tomorrow night. I don't know what exact time it is. I The, the first thing I do is tag him. I mean, if I'm the Jags with the second the window opens. This is an absolute, right? This is an absolute no-brainer. You're not letting him go to market. You're not letting that guy walk. You don't have to pay him a long-term deal yet? Tag him. That's an easy one. There's no question about that. Another easy one, John? Or is it? Legereus Sneed, Kansas City Chiefs cornerback. Don't you have to tag him? I know you got you got to deal with Chris Jones, too. But Sneed's the cheaper option of, of tagging. He's only 18.8 for cornerbacks. And, and in the way I understand it, if you were to do Chris Jones, it would be... Um more than the normal amount, right? It would be like, what, over $32 million? I think it would be higher than the original 21 or whatever it is for defense. I agree. I lock, I tag Sneed, and I am calling Chris Jones' agent today to work out the long-term deal. Yeah. That's still that's the most disruptive force in football. No-brainer. Uh, Mike Evans, what do you do if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? You do everything in your power to keep him on that team, but I think he gone. It's up to them. I mean, they can tag him, and then he can't go anywhere. 
But I also think that it would make some more financial sense for them to use kind of the tagging price at maybe an Antoine Winfield or maybe a Levante David. Just for, just from the price tag perspective. Yeah. Now, I think Mike Evans is way more valuable and important to your team. Is there any any other team you're interested in? Uh, Dallas Cowboys with Tony Pollard? I, I, I don't think I don't, don't do that. Him. Don't do that. That's a waste of money. Uh, Brian Burns, Panthers? Yes. Get that him. done? Tag him. Do you do you do you think you can get a long term deal done with Brian Burns? I think so, but you have to give yourself the opportunity to do so. Correct. All right, thirty seconds left, Brad. Jalen Johnson, cornerback, Chicago Bears. Let's hit the metrics. Do you franchise tag him? I don't want anybody on that team that's been there. I'm keeping that eighteen point eight million and using it elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm in agreement there with you on that one. Uh, I, I think it makes most sense. All right, we'll see what happens. Window opens up tomorrow. We'll see if it grows. All right, thanks for getting in. Everybody throughout the show, I appreciate that. Coming up next, it's Out of Bounds, Quack and Ben. Have a great day. Take care. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday. WCCP FM 105.5, Clemson, Greenville Anderson, WAHT AM 15.